0: All right. So I'm not doing the regular intro yet because I told you I have a song, right? You know, we were talking about making a separate sub show just for you and I, the DILFs of the show. Yay. Okay, ready? Uh Uh-huh. Middle-aged mutant podcast daddies. Middle-aged mutant podcast daddies. Middle-aged mutant podcast daddies. Put it in my rear end really hard. Oh, I love it. I had a feeling. I wrote it just for you
1: it's tasteful but also on brand
0: it's subdued right it's not my usual overtness
1: uh no it is um but i really just like how you include my sexuality and your love of being pegged in one theme song
0: (laughs) (laughs) i've had too many hemorrhoids in my life to comfortably be pegged i would be very afraid that it would like lead to something and then bleed to something if you know what i'm saying well that's how you pop them oh jesus (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, you're, that's why I have these little Tweety Bird legs, because every time I do more than one squat, I'm like, oh, my asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, this is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. As you can probably tell from the volume of my voice, I'm not at my real job today. I am in the sweaty, disgusting podcast studio that started it all. And with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Mikey. Mikey, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond.
1: Hello, mutant goons from beyond. Um, we're the goons, sports and anti swastika tattoos. Oi, oi! That's the Dude. song that's been stuck in my head. Remember, I told you I had a song in my head, also.
0: Oh yeah, I've been listening to uh, what is it, uh, red anarchist black metal, a lot. R A B M. Have you have you done any of that stuff? I have not. So it's pretty dope. Because uh, there's national nationalist black metal, which is bad and evil. So you got to get onto the other stuff, which is not that. Is that and, like uh, proud boy stuff? Yeah. So that's one of the the big things that always kind of held me back from getting super into black metal was like some of the big name players and stuff are super fucking fascist and evil. And you know, then you have the other side, like the guy from Gogoroth, who's like super gay and cool. Um, mm-hmm. I forget his name. Ah, it's on the tip of my tongue. You know, Gogoroth, your favorite band.
1: Yeah, my favorite Pokémon. But also like isn't the most like metal thing you can do is just let people live the way they want
0: to live? Gaul. I'm not saying that you have gall for saying <laughs> that. I'm saying that the lead singer's name is Gaul G-A-A-H-L.
1: Uh, where do you get off with?
0: Where your the opinion? fuck do you think you're going to come at <laughs> me and tell me how to live my life? <laughs> I always love that when people are like, you know, What they're saying is like, oh, think of the children. And what they're really saying is like, I'm secretly repressed. I have a case right now. I won't say the name of the guy, but he's representing himself. And so many things seem to go to people wanting to fuck him. (laughs) And he is so repressed and obviously gay, but he won't just admit it. Um, So he's accused his ex-attorney of trying to sleep with him, a judge, uh, (laughs) a bunch of other people. Luckily, he hasn't said that about me. He just said he was going to sue me. Uh, over and over again, it would be the pride of his life from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to sleep. No matter how many times the cases get dismissed, he'll keep doing it. And I was like, you realize you just gave me, like, this is quite literally what a vexatious litigant is, which is what I'm pleading against you right now, bitch boy.
1: Yeah, and like, true or false, it's never a good idea to represent yourself.
0: Oh, terrible idea.
1: Yeah, and also, does he
0: have a ton of money? Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) So yeah, I can't get super into it, but uh, yeah, definitely yeah. doesn't have like any money. And that's one of the things he, he claims that he was uh, kicked out of his last house and mailing address because his landlord said like if he wouldn't do gay stuff with him, that he was going to be kicked out. And so <laughs> I'm like, I, honestly, I've met him in person. No magnetism at all. There have been guys where I've been like, you know what? I'd probably slip you some dick. Oh, you know? I know.
1: I've said, I-, I have the DMs. Yeah. Um
0: But, you know, there are guys where you're just like, no, that's not even a possibility. Yeah, It's not even no, it's hell no. And that's this guy. And then, yeah, it's interesting. I'll let you know how it goes. I have a hearing on it tomorrow. tomorrow.
1: Well, I felt very much like you because I was in court today also, but for different reasons. Good reasons? Um, Yeah. But it's weird. It's like when you go to court for like foster care stuff, Mm -hmm. like it's like a bank of cases. And you show up at a specific time, but that doesn't mean your case is going to be talked about at that time they yep. go through like all these other ones and it was such a bummer like oh yeah i was almost like i don't think i want to sit on this call anymore because you hear all these horror stories and i was like Ugh, i i would never be able to be a lawyer i'm way too sensitive
0: i did one family law appearance early on in my career and the it was not my case a case going ahead of me and the lady insults the guy's dick he calls her a <laughs> cunt and nothing Nobody says anything. The judge doesn't get upset. There's no bailiff called. They're just like, this is Tuesday. And I was like, (laughs) that's definitely not for me then. Yeah,
1: no. I was like super in love with our judge though. She was a beautiful black woman, like gorgeous. And the way she was, she would basically not allow that in the courtroom. Like the way she was just like taking charge and making sure all the lawyers were on top of everything and redirecting conversations that need to be. I was like, I love her.
0: So it's always As the kids would say, She was a queen. It's cool to have people who you respect on a bench because I find that that raises everybody. I, that's probably what I like most is a good judge is somebody who could go against you and rule against you, but give you like an explanation and have command of their expertise. Like that's fine with me, especially yeah. on my side because I, I have to justify everything to a client, right? So if a judge is going to say I can't do something or argue or what have you. If it's just arbitrary or flippant, then you're pissing me off. But somebody who has confidence and composure and can also, like, you know, cajole people, I'm into it. Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: And that pretty much goes with everything, not even just being a judge, being any type of figure of authority.
0: Yeah, because Pennywise would say fuck authority. And that's topical, not because of the Brohim band, but because the Pennywise is the clown monster.
1: Uh-huh, which is what I thought you were talking about at first. And I was like, I don't think. And then I was like, oh, wait, we're we're still kind of treading the waters of punk. So.
0: You have a backwards
1: hat on. I know. Whoa. You know that song? I do. You want to sing it together?
0: No, I already oh, sang once. About getting pegged in the butt skis.
1: Oh. Are we going to get sued?
0: Uh, you know what's pretty amazing? I was listening to How Did This Get Made. And they just had like a minute long clip of something. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can do that when it's not on YouTube. Sick. (laughs) Maybe we'll do some more audio clips and stuff. But yeah, Yeah. uh, I haven't been on very often. I have to thank you because like my my schedule for the longest time was like, I could only do this during the day. And now I'm like, I can really only do this at night because my work life is on fucking fire and stuff. So uh, this episode, just like the song Brohim, goes out to you.
1: Oh, thanks, dog. But I was thinking, it is kind of cool because, like, I know the other co-host schedules are pretty, you know, all over the place. Yeah, and we we were pretty much the only ones that could do it late. It's late for me, and it's even later for like Aid and Jason. Um, but Aid who goes to bed
0: four hours earlier than us and three hours earlier than us when it comes (laughs) to time change
1: (laughs) during summertime. Um, but yeah, and. I was like, it's like Slashers podcast after dark. So we could totally just like shoot the shit and talk about a movie where we want to talk about no yeah. structure, letting our tits hang out.
0: Like, and I also feel like I got excited for this in a way like the old school Slashers and not to say that new Slashers is bad at all. Like, I love it. I listen to you guys even when I'm not on. Uh, but like the idea of just like, I almost wanted to do nicknames for this episode and go back to that super old segment just because. Like, it just felt different. and Because you, you've been around longer than anyone. You haven't been on the show necessarily. But, like, yeah. I, I remember talking to you, like, fucking three years ago. I mean, that's crazy to think about how long the show has been going on. Um, and you've always been... You've never given me grief. Like, no. whether as a fan, as a co-host, as a friend. It's It's fucking weird to me, honestly. Because <laughs> so many people in my life annoy the fuck out of me. And I was just telling Sierra, like, the reason that Jim is, like, one of my best friends is because he and I have like this is complete agreement of, like, this is how much we will talk. We won't talk any more than this. We won't talk any less than this. We're not going to bombard each other with text every day. It's like, this is perfect. And you're, like, you're just the remote version of Jim to me now. How does that feel?
1: Oh, it feels lovely. I'm honored. I love it. Slashers after dark.
0: So I wanted to pitch something to you. Okay. Are you ready for this? Every Every butthole has done... Creature from the Black Lagoon, right? Oh, is
1: that what we're doing today? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hence the <laughs> Gilman
0: behind you. Also, I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm, committing it to audio phonic uh, record that I'm going to be making a new slashers podcast shirt, which is Gilman Man which is going to be a mashup of the Gilman and Gilbert Gottfried because I love them both so much. Now Can he I be love holding me like Ooh. I'm Julie Adams, please. I could get into that. <laughs> uh, yeah, send me some good reference photos, and I'll definitely do it. Okay, uh, you can't get mad when I draw her. your face like shit though.
1: Oh no, you're fine.
0: So you can't be mad if they're completely nude. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about his webbed hand, <laughs> is it can cover a lot of dick meat.
1: It <laughs> needs to be a big hand. Yeah, <laughs> a Girthy gonna... <laughs> hand with
0: some veins in it. But I'm a huge Universal Monsters fan. It's like my diehard favorite shit. I think I told you I have a flash drive in my computer at all times. It has every single Universal film. So I watch or Universal Monsters. I watched all three of the creature movies and preparing for this, but I want to title this episode creature from the black lagoon and mystery bonus movie. Okay. And then I want to pitch a bonus movie to you. Have you seen time cop with Jean-Claude Van Damme? No. (laughs) Have you seen what other shitty movies have I watched? Uh, Have you seen Mr. Nice guy with Jackie Chan? Oh my God.
1: I'm sorry. I'm not like Jim after all.
0: Um, No, Jim doesn't watch that shit either. He's like, what we bond over is our just passionate love of uh, all things Lord of the Rings movies, not Lord of the Rings. Uh, That's cute.
1: Um, Can I show you something real quick? Yeah. Oh, never mind. It's not here. Have you watched The Bear? Uh, No. Fuck me, I probably haven't watched it.
0: Oh, you got the book. Oh, yeah. So we can talk about that. Well, that'll make that'll be the subtitle and new slashers project. Can I
1: spoil what I'm going to do in it? Yeah, please. So I saw, I read yours. Let me cut you off.
0: First, tell people what it is because they don't have the context. Then tell them your project.
1: So Jake had a great idea to get a composition book and to send it to all hosts around the United States and everybody write a one page one or two page review of any movie so that we have like a physical copy of all of our labor of love so jake does it sends it to somebody that person finishes it and sends it to the next host so on and so forth i figured geographically geographically <laughs> it makes sense for me to send it to aid aid send it to jason then jason send it to doug um I opened it and the first movie that you did that was in there is John Carpenter's. Is it Big Trouble? Yeah, Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. I love that movie. It's a great movie. So I liked reading your little thing. And I was like, I'm going to stay on theme. I'm going to do John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, so wow. I want to see, without saying anything, if Aid catches on and continues the trend. It's okay if she doesn't, it's not a rule, but I just thought it'd be cool.
0: Well, actually, that's the fun thing. I put a list of rules in the beginning and then encouraged Mm -hmm. hosts to do that. And so if you want to make the rule that the first half of the book has to be an exhaustive list of all John John Carpenter stuff, I would love that personally.
1: Well, I think it would just be cool if, but I see, I don't want to add a rule and it like ruins the fun. Like the only thing I could think is if like your review has to somewhat tie into the movie that
0: was previously reviewed. I like that a lot. Have you ever played? There's a game that we used to play a lot, which was taking two actors, right? So I would give you, uh, for example, Heath Ledger and Heath Ledger. And so you'd have to take two Heath Ledger movies and take the last word of the first title and the first word of the last title and turn it into one thing. So for example, that one would be uh, The Dark Knight's Tale.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And you could do, yeah, there's obviously you can kind of go crazy from there. Um, Like Will Smith, and frank langella or no excuse me no that i fucked that up i was gonna say i robot and frank yeah that's it <laughs> whatever but you know or can't hardly know what
1: you did last summer
0: well no because it would have to be the, the word wait would have to be it so you could do like seth green and ryan reynolds so it would be like can't hardly waiting was ryan no, because reynolds waiting? this is
1: jennifer love hewitt and jennifer love hewitt
0: Oh yeah, for sure. You could do, it doesn't have to be the same actor.
1: It well, cause be, you said Heath Ledger twice earlier. So the instructions just aren't really clear to me right now.
0: Well, I'm trying to <laughs> unfuck it. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Let's do a good one. I'm going to give you two actors and you do it.
0: Ready? Okay. Do you, do you know this? It already works. Cause this isn't like six degrees of Kevin Bacon where you're just going to throw shit at me and I have to figure it out. Like you have to have the no, title. That's exactly
1: how it's going to work. What is that's it? the fun of it i don't know let me think um <laughs> and <Anne> h <laughs> <Jesus laughs> <God. laughs> and tom Hanks. Uh, <laughs> uh
0: all i could think of with with Anne is is what is it six days seven nights and-, and she was
1: in i know what you did last summer and she was in i actually don't know what she's been in. i just think her name is funny
0: oh So you don't have one that actually works. You're just fucking with me right
1: now. I could make one that works. It's not that hard. Six days, seven nights in the suburbs. I don't know. (laughs) That's not the word. Here's a good one. Okay. I don't even know. I'm just making shit up.
0: It's Will Smith and Ewell Brenner. Okay. Ewell Brenner is really known for one movie. It was a John Carpenter, or uh, excuse me, Michael Crichton adaptation. Wild, Wild West World.
1: Okay. So it has to kind of make sense
0: yes you oh, the okay. person giving the prompt has to know the answer and sometimes oh. there are more than one answer but that's the way it works so that's kind of what you're doing with the story prompt for the review book which is cool yeah like rupaul charles manson there we go exactly if they were movie titles
1: instead of <laughs> yeah titles but these are actors or excuse me actors and a murderer <laughs>
0: yeah right well, and a musician don't forget that chuck was a musician
1: the fifth uh beach boy or fourth i don't know how many there were
0: well, yeah, and then that's the whole. Uh, Bri- it used to be Brian Wilson's house where uh, Sharon Tate got debabied and stuff. Yeah, and deliving living that happened. Unalived, it- unalived. Yeah, I like it unalived better. So, going back to Creature from the Black Lagoon, this was mm-hmm. your first time seeing this movie. What did you think?
1: Um. So I really enjoyed it, and so basically. I saw it two days ago and I have the blu-ray box set of the universal monsters. Um, I think there's eight or nine of them and creature from the black lagoon is the second one I've seen from it. The first one I've seen is,
0: uh, Dracula, which did not like, um, Lugosi is boring as shit in that one, dude.
1: It nothing happens, but anyway, we're talking about, I'm a big
0: Frankenstein fan and I'll never forget people pitting those two against each other. And I'm like, how is it that Boris Karloff sauntering around and like moaning? is so much more engaging and i think that parallels very nicely with creature am i right
1: yeah so the movie first of all isn't very long i don't know if movies that old are usually long but it wasn't very long so that made it easier the set was beautiful the underwater filmography was amazing
0: crazy right it looks like it's a fucking soundstage with how pristine it looks but that's Mm -hmm. like a real bog in florida yeah um because i believe they're supposed to be
1: in the amazon is that correct
0: it's supposed to be, yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause my only thing was like, I don't think the water's that clear in the Amazon, but I'm oh, not gonna For judge. sure not. <laughs> um, but it was the, the main actress is just like awe-inspiring. Like, you know, they the people, especially in horror films, especially like when you're dealing with creature features or or Dracula's, there's always the the dame that has a mesmerizing aura to her and Julie Adams, I believe Adams is her name, she has it. And like, I was sitting there and I was like, this woman is like one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in a movie. And when she's swimming, I didn't know it was originally filmed in 3D, but when she was swimming and he's swimming under her, which apparently is like a sexual undertone, which I didn't really get.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's the laughs> was, pri- he represents the primal desire of the peen, you yeah. know, and it's under the surface of your humanity, which that's why she's quite literally above him.
1: Yeah. And I just it, it was really good. I did have a couple issues with the scoring just because it was a little too stimulating for me. Oh, so
0: jarring. That, yeah. I, like, that kills the vibe for me when I'm watching this movie every time because like that flourish, it's not as like, for example, the psycho even mm-hmm. though it's jarring and it's abrupt and it's percussive in this weird way it doesn't like offend the senses like this one and this yeah. happens like 50 times in the <laughs> movie and it's just so annoying to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was really only the the negative thing. But watching it, I was really surprised at how many things have been inspired by this film. Not that I've been not that have been
0: confirmed, but that I've noticed like obviously Jaws. And 100 percent, especially it being universal, that exact shot where the girl's swimming and you have that yeah. under perspective. And that's Steven Spielberg stealing mm-hmm. uh, and not in a bad way. It's homage, I think.
1: Yeah. And OK, tell me if you can think this, but I kept thinking Anaconda.
0: Oh, 100 percent.
1: Like if you replace the monster with the giant man eating snake down to even like the wounded guy bandaged up in the hull of the ship. There are so many similarities between the creature from the Black Lagoon and Anaconda. It was just it, it was really good. I'm really glad that I watched it. I was a little confused because I think I had Creature from the Black Lagoon confused with Swamp Thing for a while in terms oh, yeah. of like what I was West anticipating. Craven. Yeah, was it Wes Craven? See, I thought Swamp Thing was like an old
0: classic. I didn't realize it was just an '80s fil- flick. Yeah. So based um, on an Alan Moore comic, um, he wrote quite a lot of it. That's actually where John Constantine comes from, or Hellblazer is from mm-hmm. the Swamp Thing comics. And then I'm I also am a big Marvel guy. I generally prefer Man-Thing, which came out right around the same time. There's that whole question of like, was it plagiarized? Uh, But so Swamp Thing's always been kind of present in my zeitgeist. So I could definitely see that, especially with the imagery, that kind of like statuesque figure cutting Mm -hmm. into this image. It almost looks like the 80s version of it.
1: Yeah. And like in Swamp Thing, he is also like infatuated with the woman, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So there's
0: similarities. And that's one of the things that kind of always dissuaded me from liking Swamp Thing so much is because he is so human. Whereas Man-Thing loses his humanity entirely when he becomes that creature. He loses, like, he doesn't have dialogue. He doesn't have thought bubbles. He's just like a force of nature. And that's one of the things I love about this movie. And what I love so much about The Shape of Water was like, it's not the beauty and the beast where you have this, this pontificating, eloquent, you know, replacement. Because and that's the thing that I love too which I think Guillermo del Toro touched on which is like the beauty and the beast gets you so far because mm-hmm. at the end of it he turns back and everybody's in love and happy Le but the problem is that that makes love convenient and so yeah. like with the shape of water it's love despite right and so in this it's like it's it, the, the perfect fucking double feature if it wasn't for the fact shape of water is a little too long right yeah yeah um,
1: and you know, obviously, Shape of Water is another film that pulled pretty directly from Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, but honestly, this is one of those movies that I kind of would love to see a remake of just because, like, in the hands of someone like Mike Flanagan, I think we could do a lot and still
0: pay respects to it. You know, I'd be really interested to see it um, because I think that you could do a lot, especially when it comes to like eco-terrorism that we're mm-hmm. like, living through right now. There's a lot of really good imagery, and like in this one, in the next one, where they're just like killing the ecosystem to go after this fucking thing, uh, yeah. and the object of men's desire, and this like this perverse sense of uh, conquest that these guys have, like not just to have dominion over the creature, but to subdue it. You know, mm-hmm. they're not just catching it by putting it in a cage; they're dominating it. Right? That's something I always thought was very weird, because in in the second one, uh, Revenge of the Creature they actually put him in like a net at one point and it just, it's so odd, but he's already in captivity when they do that Yeah. to get him in that captivity. They literally just blow up a bunch of shit and give him a fucking concussion and put him in a coma. And mm-hmm. so that sense of like submission. And when you see the dominion that people have over ecology, uh, its I think you could do a lot with that right now.
1: Yeah. And I feel like they, I mean, they didn't really have this thought process back then. I don't think, but they, and I don't even think they meant it intentionally, but there's a part where the main actress is smoking and they're out there killing the fish, I guess. Like yeah. they're trying to shock him with this poison and it's killing the fish. And she has a cigarette, which pretty much everyone smoked back in the 50s, 40s, whatever. And she flicks it into the water. When she flicks it into the water, it. um and when I, when that first happened, I was like, ew, I guess, whatever. Yeah, right. Um, But then it, it pans down, and the creature's down there looking at what she's doing. And I, at first, I was like, oh, so like he's going to get mad that they're ruining his lagoon, and he's going to try to get revenge. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, this isn't 2020. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so that would be a really interesting take. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Swamp Thing kind of like that, where he is impacted by eco-terrorism and that's kind of why he's killing
0: people you know to an extent because like if i'm not mistaken and correct me if i might be confusing my man thing and my swamp thing actually i think it is man thing man thing like the apex of the entire cosmos and multiverse are in the swamp that man things from i don't think that's the case with swamp thing but it's something similar which is why you have characters like john constantine the very mystical so that like the interconnectedness with nature, almost like shamanism, is kind mm-hmm. of there, but I don't know that it's necessarily always like Captain Planety, if I if I could be so bold.
1: Yeah, and I think that could be something that it would be kind of powerful to take on as a theme, and just gives more depth to the story. But like I said, I don't think that back in the '50s they were really having that those thoughts about the environment
0: yeah i mean it's one of the things that's really interesting about looking at old media and looking at it through a different lens than it was created right like last year we did frankenstein bride of frankenstein and in talking about bride of frankenstein you taking the queer undertones and you know how heavily that really you can analyze it was that the intention at the time or was that inadvertent was that the subtext or are we just looking back and changing it? Because that's one thing that I remember being so in vogue when you we were an undergrad or whatever, where it's like, okay, let me just, like, I'll, I'll never forget, I was AP English in high school. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow next to the chickens covered with dew. And I wrote like a fucking five page essay in <laughs> class about how that represented the Native American, the plight of the Native Americans and the dew is their sweat and all this stuff. And it's like, it could have just been a fucking wheelbarrow. And so yeah. that's one of the things that makes the old movies so interesting is that you can editorialize them with a modern lens um, and even in different seasons of your life. Because when I saw this when I was a kid, sure, I watched fucking Captain Planet, but I wasn't like, ecology, you know?
1: Yeah. And, you know, so it was just to kind of rewind a little bit. So when I've turned on the Blu-ray for the Creature from the Black Lagoon and the Universal Trademark, logo came up they did like um and it's so weird because i don't know if i'm getting old or why i'm extra sensitive but they basically did just like a flash of like a hundred year anniversary of universal movies and they were showing all the movies that they've done and i was like geez like movies used to be magic Mm -hmm. like even the the end scene of creature from the black lagoon the staging when she's on the rock and she's like you know it's super hyper dramatized but it works you don't question oh well she wouldn't be draped over the rock ever so elegant. it's like reading a romance novel you just suspend your disbelief and you you know you're all in um and they don't do that anymore uh, it's also
0: the breadth of this movie it, 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 not just this movie but like movies in general and i've honestly struggled with this lately so bear with me but like for example marvel you know like i have a captain america tattoo i have over 2000 comics i have my marvel Unlimited subscription And I am so fucking sick of Marvel and so overwhelmed. I'm like, I'm not watching Moon Knight. I'm not, I don't care. It's too much. It it gets to the point where it's indistinguishable, where it's like, oh yeah, is that the lasers from the eyes from this movie or that movie or whatever? Uh, Whereas in this era, you couldn't rewind shit. You couldn't pause it. You couldn't go back and rewatch it a hundred times. And I honestly... I wonder if filmmaking has changed and is just so overloaded now because they want that instant gratification. They want those moments that become like almost memes, you know, the fuck yeah moment. Whereas this has a great pacing and breath to where you can have those vignette style images and it's not so overwhelming that you could basically memorize the movie in one go. So if you don't see this again for 10, 15 years, you still have this movie with you. Does that kind of make sense?
1: Yeah yeah it's just like a, a the lasting impact of it um and it it goes to show also like so i i y'all have disneyland where you are and do you have a universal studios over there
0: oh yeah yeah universal so studios the, hollywood baby be yeah, so I- by one day you get the whole year so we would go out get dinner at this place called tie toy over on sunset shoot down do the tour twice and then fucking leave it was awesome <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well you know i'm i'm in texas and we have a we have a six flags here and i think they have a partnership with dc for sure because there's like wonder
0: woman stuff and joker rides it should um, be warner brothers as a whole too Yeah, our our six flags has got bugs bunny and all that shit too
1: yeah warner brothers and is universal included in that because there's some places that have these universal monsters like advertised and figurines and stuff and like they don't really have movies that do that anymore Uh something else that kind of like makes me real like nostalgic about these movies is even though I, I this is the first time I've seen it when I was younger uh my grandma so like my parents worked my aunts and uncles worked so my grandma would always take care of me and my four cousins and my two sisters and so like once in a while she'd take us to McDonald's as you know some grandmas do and <laughs> the mcdonald's that was by our house for some reason was just like old school themed like you'd walk in there was like a statue of marilyn monroe and elvis and they oh, had these you awesome. uni- know, yeah they had these universal monster posters up all over the place and i was always like infatuated with the creature from the black lagoon because it was that picture of that illustration of the creature diving with the woman in his hands and she's like screaming um, and she's wearing that white bathing suit, which I learned was custom made for this film. Um, it was a hoochie suit back then. And now I'm like, God, oh, look at her modesty. I admire it. <laughs> I did notice that they had the cone tits. So this was back in the cone tits era.
0: Um, you say it like it's a bad thing. They're called torpedo tits. I'll have you um, know. Yes. Yes. The, it's with the, the aquatic theme.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a play on words about how she torpedoed her way into his heart um <laughs> but but yeah so like you know seeing those posters and then finally watching the movie i was like oh it reminds me of the old days so these movies even if you haven't seen them it's so pop culture that even if you don't like horror or even if you don't watch these movies you see it being displayed in so many different ways from figurines to other shows, either making fun of it or having something that references it. Um, so it's like it's it's such a pop culture phenomenon for these movies. And is this the last Universal Monster movie to be released?
0: No, not technically, because there's the other two in this series. One is kind of like the Lost World Jurassic Park, where they bring him to civilization and he's at like a fucking SeaWorld type theme park. And then the next one after that is fucking weird. Where his like skin or his like oh yeah um his scales get burned off and he's kind of humanoid underneath and it's isn't it like revenge
1: of the creature or something?
0: That one no so revenge is the one where they take him to here, the creature walks among us is the other one. And he looks like one of the fucking Goombas from Super Mario (laughs) Brothers. It's just a weird movie, and his shoulder pads are way too large. His lumbering also is very derivative of Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, I did notice that his frame in the third one is very large. He's (laughs)
0: Like He's <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, obviously there's some, there's some significant changes between the first and the second one when it comes to the sculpt. I actually kind of get critical. Uh, if you look closely in Revenge of the Creature, it looks like he has a mustache because they mm-hmm. add that kind of, you know, gilly, finny texture towards the end of his, like, frills, but they also do it to his lips, so it looks like he has a big old bushy Wilford Brimley mustache, in that one. It's a little odd. Yeah. Um, but, you know, by and large, they're both very consistent and that third one's just like, Was it that expensive to get the fucking suit out of storage, man? Like, what's going on?
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, and I was seeing some of the the mock-up art. And of course, this was the 50s, you know. They did amazing with what they had. But looking at some of the illustrations, I can't help but think if, like, this movie was made today and they wanted to make it a truly horror film, that the creature would probably
0: look like the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers these days. Um, Because I've always thought that, like, Almost like a translucent anglerfish would be the way I would do it, (laughs) which is like, you know, that kind of crazy mouth, those gaping eyes that are like basically completely blind. And it's always freaked me out to see inside of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the way I would personally do it. But then again, like there's no scales or security to that. It's just teeth. So there's a lot of ways you could design it. I guess that would be a little bit different. And if you did redo it, I feel like you'd have to do that because this is such an iconic look. You know, even when you look at Shape of Water, you're just like, oh, cool, Gill Man. You know, I have a tattoo for the Gill Man from Monster Squad. It's like, oh, yeah, well, that's the Gill Man. Like, that's obviously what it is. So, if you wanted to not be directly compared, you'd have to kind of derivate, if I dare say.
1: Yeah. Um, And I, with the costume, there was one thing, because I remember I was watching it and I was like, his eyes are just too. fake yeah but i kept watching but then i was like but if they're trying to make him like a fish it makes sense because fish don't blink they always have a dead look in their eyes and so sometimes it was just you know the lighting was kind of hitting it to where it looks fake but other times i was like okay i can get behind
0: the the eyes now um well you know the actor didn't actually wear any kind of goggles or anything he had to see through those and that's just fucking bizarre to me because i i have the most sensitive eyes in the world any kind of liquid and i start freaking out um and so in the second one, the eyes look way more plasticky. They almost look like those shitty little, uh, you know, eye sunglass things that you would wear when you go tanning in the '80s and give yourself cancer. <laughs> yeah, they look like that.
1: Yeah, and with the guy, because I think there was two guys that played
0: him, correct, on land and in sea.
1: Yeah, and like I've- honestly, like. It just amazes me that how they lucked out with getting people, because the way that he was swimming is not something that everybody can do at and all. Even even with the main actress, her her swimming and the flip she was doing underwater, like they lucked out because I think she said she was pretty much assigned the picture, um, and she
0: hated the idea. Just like you were saying, this was not high art. People looked yeah. down on creature features and stuff back then, so she gets this assignment and she's like, "Fuck me."
1: Yeah, and even the girl from the, the the actress from the second one had the same thoughts. But yep. I love that in recent, in not recent because I think they both passed. I know Julie Adam passed. Yeah, the Yeah, I don't know about the Lori. I forgot her name. Um, but in the interviews, they both like really appreciate the film, and and even Julie is kind of um, I want to say like protective, not protective, but she when they talk about the creature and how it changes and how some people like added red lips for some God awful reason, she's kind yeah. of like, yeah, it looked way better than that. So she's like protective of the original concept and appreciates. And I love seeing that because I, I, nothing annoys me more than whenever there's an actress that is in a horror movie and it gives her her start. she's like, I hate horror movies. Like I just, Jennifer so-
0: Aniston.
1: Well, like just, just fake it. Like, you know, so many people, cause it goes Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, what's her name?
0: Nev From Campbell,
1: Screen. Nev Campbell, Jamie Lee Curtis, they've all been like, we hate scary movies. I'm like, oh, that's funny, because scary movies pretty much made all of y'all's careers. Um, so Hell like, yeah. <laughs> it's so annoying. But with Julie, who is like an icon, like it was so refreshing to see her kind of Back up the movie and describe in detail what made it great. And then she even talks about the original color of the costume, which makes total sense. And when they show a colorized picture of it, it looks so cool, like that moss green color. and yeah, you know it it she really helps bring the authenticity and the artistic like viewpoint of what was going on, in the original one and also interesting fact, which I know you know, the creator of the look the creature. Uh, Is that the woman?
0: Yes. The one who Bud Westmore basically buried.
1: Yes. And it was funny because they were like, not only was she a woman, she was a pretty woman.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They toured her around town. See? And I was was like, (laughs) "Uh, yeah, but that's not the way that it's remembered because none of those recordings really exist. And Bud Westmore basically made sure that he got all the credit, which is one of the crazy things, too, because the other dude who actually did like the uh, application Jack Keevan basically got like the shit end of the stick too so you have one person who designs you have one person who actually like makes and applies and babysits that fucking makeup and it goes to bob westmore who who, i mean to credit he's a fucking legend and he's in every episode of face off so yeah the guy's fucking rules but this is a i love so much that people have championed this is where credit is due yeah because so often you have these beautiful creators who just get shit on like Look at Bill Finger with Batman, for instance. He's just some guy who's like lost to history until people like fight and go, "No, this is wrong." And that's Mm -hmm. really the way I view Millicent Patrick. But keep going. Sorry. How do you say her name? Millicent Patrick. Millicent. Am I I saying that wrong? Yeah, Millicent. I I,
1: I don't. I I don't know how to pronounce it. Millicent. What do you think it was? I don't know. I was gonna. I was gonna refer you to the name, but I just didn't understand what you were saying. (laughs) It's not a common name, Millicent. Um. But, yeah, and, you know, that was something else is that she was a beautiful young woman and she designed this horrific for the time creature. Um, And unfortunately, she didn't get the credit that she deserved. But there's pictures of her designing and drawing. Oh, yeah. And it's just it's super cool that, you know, she was able to come up with something like that. And you wouldn't expect it like you have this image in your mind of people that like make monsters and, you know, the nerd and and, um, study hall drawing his little comic books. But no, it was this pin-up model looking woman who designed the creature that
0: scared millions yeah. um she was also a texan just like you oh no wonder i love her you want to hear a fun thing yes. so when my daughter was about to be born i pitched uh that we would name her millicent and mm-hmm. it was ruined because my wife worked at a restaurant called millie's when she was in high school <laughs> so she was like i can't have my daughter you know it's a pretty you know. badass name though well, I also, um, I had pitched, so Julie Adams, her actual name is Betty May Adams. And I had pitched that as well. And my wife was like, no, we're not from the South. You don't do that. No, it's,
1: it's okay. Damaged. I really, I really wanted to name my daughter Peggy. And I'm pretty sure they, Adam said no, because of the reason your wife said no to Betty, um, <laughs> <laughs> They're old 50s diner lady, uh uh 50-year-old dining diner waitress names. Sorry for any listeners' name, Petty or Peggy. Well, I um, pitched the
0: name Gail to my wife and she was like, What the fuck is this? 1910? I was like, shut up, woman.
1: Gail hailstorm. Um <laughs> I have a question for you. Yes. If you have the choice, and we don't need to get in specific what about my family, blah blah blah. Pretend you have the same family. If you could choose. Would you choose to be in the now and see what future classics could possibly come up in the next couple of years? Or would you have preferred to live in the time when you were able to see these movies for the first time in theaters?
0: A hundred percent relive these movies. And I'll tell you why. Because I, the amount I would need to curate modern content would take the fun out of it. Because there is so much content now, I feel exhausted daily trying to keep up, whether it's horror, whether it's superhero stuff, whether it's anything, I just feel so behind. And that's one of the things that I love about this show and why, you know, even when this this show is not convenient to do, it's hard, it's arduous, it's stressful. um, But I love it because and one of the key things, obviously, is hanging out with my friends, but it's also making myself indulge in things that I love. Because yeah. I am the fucking worst with self-love. Like my wife and I, uh, I've been talking to a therapist and she was just like, look, resting is not like self-time. And that's like all I'll let myself do. Yeah. My wife and I, we went to a um, a an ice skating rink that was right next to my law school. And she was like, you must have been here fucking all the time. <laughs> and I was like, I went like twice in three years. And she was like, wow. And I was like, I don't do the stuff I love I I work and I work and I work until I have nothing left, and then what I my downtime is is just exhaustion, right? And so, like with this, I'm so grateful that you picked this movie because it's a movie I've loved for years, and it's nice to be able to have that excuse to sit down and watch it without looking at anything else, uh, without any distractions. Um, So yeah, I kind of got lost in my own thoughts there, but there's so (laughs) many things that we're talking about where you know being able to delve in and look. And analyze and watch movies about the movies that we're watching means so much to me, you know? And especially like I always hated the Billy Big Mouth bass because it looked like the creature in some (laughs) ways, but it was always so disappointing that it wasn't actually the creature. Um, And so I've always had very strong opinions on the coloration of it. And to hear that echoed with Julie, I mean, there's these fun things that kind of go. So you start talking because I've rambled to like a a perverse point. (laughs) No, you're fine.
1: I was just asking because. I would choose the same thing. And you're right right now with content, especially horror, it's like drinking from a fire hose. I cannot stay on top of everything. People keep telling me to watch the new Resident Evil show. I don't want to. Yeah, people. There's a show on Amazon, which I really want to see called Paper Girls based off of a comic book series that is really interesting And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. And yesterday I started the first episode and I saw that Amazon released all the episodes, not just one. And that made me not watch it. Yeah. Cause I was like, cause that's too much for me right now. (laughs) And so
0: I haven't watched a single episode of fucking Umbrella Academy or anything like that either. Cause it's just like, and I also need to know that it has a satisfying ending. That's yeah. another thing that's that kills me. Like even the Universal Monster movies, sometimes there's like the oh maybe they're still alive out there, winky winky. <laughs> but usually it's like no, they're super dead, and then the next one's like or are they? Yeah. Um, so it still has that satisfying. It also um I called him Bob Westmore. It's Bud. I have to correct myself. I obviously know this. Um, at first I said it kind of as a joke to be disparaging, and then I was like, no, somebody's gonna think that I actually didn't know. But um, going back to your <laughs> point, uh, let's say you could pick a, an era of film. Like, let's say you could do the seventies and before or the seventies and after, which kind of camp are you in? It's difficult because, you know,
1: part of me wants to say, Oh, the seventies and after, because that's going to be the movies like Texas chainsaw Halloween Friday the 13th, where when I was growing up, that's what scared me. But even if I did seventies and earlier, since I wouldn't have that experience with horror movies i could still feel like that with these movies like even the cabinet of dr or Caligari, Calgary? like that freaked me out when i saw it a while ago oh yeah um motel hell freaked
0: me out oh um, so good i heard I that joel that McHale wanted to remake that film and i was like i fucking love that idea i really hope he does i love joel McHale right now he's, great. he's so hot too
1: oh yeah he's great um I was hoping he'd be Johnny Cage in the next Mortal Kombat movie.
0: He has the build for it too, which pisses me off. If it's a funny guy who's like doesn't have the body, like if Jim Carrey wanted to do something, like okay, that's fine. He doesn't want to get abs. Joel McHale already has abs; they're just going to waste under that shirt.
1: Yeah, and he was the voice character um, yep. um, in Mortal Kombat. So it's in perfect. the animated
0: Scorpion's Revenge, right?
1: Which was great. It was. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so. That's a that's a tough one, because uh, also before this, I would say after 70s, only because before the 70s, while the movies were great and the sets were amazing, horror still wasn't really accepted that much. So it wasn't taken as seriously, where I think after the 70s, it started to become more of like a leisure thing and less like, a oh, well, you bad kids smoking your cigarettes in the alleyways going to watch those evil pictures yeah which by the way considering these movies before the 70s are black and white and like old school a lot of them deal with satan a lot a lot of of rich people used to just have parties where they did uh seances like nothing so (laughs) i don't know who was so pure back
0: then well i mean talking about purity like this lady was treated like a fucking harlot for having a one-piece bikini oh i know because of the high thighs but like, here's something for context. So Frankenstein came out in 1931, right? This movie comes out in 1954. That's 23 years different. That's crazy to think that this black and white film and that black and white film are so close in aesthetic, but in their actual delivery and substance. Um, you know, I think it's a lot of people mischaracterize a lot of the Universal Monsters films that don't realize it, how long that time frame was yeah um, you know it's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that's why this this new shit is so hard it's too much, right? These movies came out over the span of years, you know even at a relatively brisk pace you had this one and then you had you know the two sequels were fifty five and fifty six and you can see that immediate diminishing returns in fifty six because it's so cheap by comparison at least there's a little bit of what feels like breathing room between this and the second, which I mean granted it's still about a year, but it it's different i'll say
1: yeah and i think um also they mentioned that because while they they filmed the first one in 3d they filmed the second one in 3d but there was something wrong with the equipment Mm -hmm. so that kind of fucked up their output also was they kept saying oh the 3d is not good they're like well it's not really the 3d's problem it's the something to do with the hardware they were using
0: yeah and so for those of you don't know the way that the filming works on the old 3d cameras is literally they built a giant waterproof housing that they would like push through the water with people with these big fins on, you have one that films at a slightly different angle than the other. And then the way the projection is, when it's presented, you have the polarizing lenses of either red or blue. And that's what gives it the stereoscopic effect. When you look at it, it gives it kind of the depth of 3d. So it quite literally is two separate images overlaid. And that's why it works so well. So you can imagine how technical that is if there's a slight change. Mm -hmm. and imagine the inconsistency scene to scene and certain things uh so yeah it's it's very complicated yeah
1: yeah but uh no definitely has earned its status in being a pop culture phenomenon i liked it
0: yeah and so answering my own question going to the thing i think I have what about you i picked the (laughs) 80s as well and the only way that i can have the 80s is if you have the originals you know you look at movies like The Golem and you look at so many movies and you can apply that sense and sensibility to the 80s films. And so it's not a rip-off. It's not even directly an homage. It's just a better fluency of presentation. If I can try and sound sophisticated with my PBS words, as Doug <laughs> would say. But you know what I mean? Like, we're not inventing it for the first time. So we, we already skipped that in- infancy being a little, like, horsey coming out of a vagina and kind of like awkward walking we're already kind of to a brisk run by the 80s but you know i love all of the universal monsters films if you you know especially the fans if you want to see have us do more of these i would love to the only reason we haven't really ever done it in the past is because there is such a huge existing amount of content creators talking about these films Uh, now let me ask you this comparing the creature to any other universal monster film that you're even aware of Uh, Where does it rank in terms of the creature itself? Then we can go to the movie.
1: Mm, The creature itself, like in terms of which I think is the most frightening.
0: Anything. I mean, frightening, impressive, um, sympathetic. I mean, that's honestly, it's super hard for me because the inner side of my right forearm is Frankenstein. The outer side is creature. And it's like 1A, 1B. I don't think the creature would be, again, like as fluent if it didn't come out 20 years later where it could build off of some of the themes of this hideous creature who just wants to be loved. Right. And yeah. obviously the makeup and everything comes out of it and is much better in that regard too. Uh, so you can compare it that way. You can compare it just based on the spookiness.
1: Um, I would have to say, so to top it off, I have to open it up with, I think the creepiest uh, universal monster is the invisible man i love it it's fucking crazy
0: tried to pitch griffin for my son's name my wife didn't take that either <laughs> so you can see how into the universal monsters i am
1: yes um but i would say my my number two spot is tied between frankenstein and creature from the black lagoon only because i feel frankenstein is a little bit more relatable but that's also because he he doesn't talk but he's more you can tell more of what he's saying by his gestures and he has more he's more humanized than the creature is you can empathize the, with him because he's expressive
0: even when he yeah. has that kind of dead-eyed stare you know what's going on behind the eyes whereas this there you can't even see the actor's eyes regardless yeah. of which actor it is whether it's uh rico browning or ben chapman it's just a mask and sure you have like the air bladders working the gills and stuff but mm-hmm. you, you it's hard to impress upon like that feeling so i'll, I'll yeah. definitely agree with you on that
1: and then also when frankenstein does kill someone it's an accident whereas you know some people try to make the case that um creature from the black lagoon you know he showed up to people you know partying in his house so he gets upset like but he doesn't really like just get upset like he kills people that we would consider innocent you know without so i think he is he is a killer whereas i think frankenstein was a misunderstood monster um
0: well, it it also comes to nature versus nurture. And this is something that it, people very often mischaracterize nature versus nurture as the way that you have to have been raised and kind of indoctrinated. But the the nurture element can be a lack thereof. Mm-hmm. I think that's something very true with Frankenstein specifically. He's just like an idiot when he kills a little girl. It's because he doesn't fucking understand. Like he's like, oh, you, you could float. You know, yeah. it's not. I mean, he could have. She just couldn't swim. Yeah. Dumbass. It's her fault. Yeah, it is her fault. But with, you know, (laughs) you have to get into is that his intrinsic nature? No, it is a lack of tutelage. It is a lack. And so you can even impress that on it upon the father, you know, Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, um, Mm -hmm. and how it's his failure. And with this, it is the creature's inherent nature. But it is not, even then, you're not necessarily thinking it's malicious. And so it's this really cool kind of analog between the two of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I say they still both kind of pair us. I mean, the tie is number two because
0: what one lacks the other one makes up for, and vice versa. Um and also the mastery of craft when you go from invisible man and the prop work and the design work and the cleverness of it and the mischief of it and the brevity and then you can really take that kind of craft and apply it to this. It it's almost like, and I know that they're not very comparable, except for the fact that it's somebody perverting science and what have you but if you put you know invisible man on one side and frankenstein on the other side in the middle of that venn diagram i think there is a creature of the black lagoon yeah i could see that because i think
1: the invisible man is on one spectrum cold-blooded killer um frankenstein is just kind of an empty shell that is willing to be filled with stuff whether it's love or hate and then in the middle you have the animalistic killing
0: out of necessity not because of hatred um that's another thing when you get into the invisible man is talking about like was he that way or is it the drug because that's one of the things they talk about they even give him sympathy where it's like he wasn't psychotic he was made psychotic because he attempted to pervert science and so that or pervert nature and if you do that with creature from the black lagoon he didn't kill anybody till they start fucking shit up yeah right and so whether you're talking about encroaching on his domain i don't think of it as simple as that I don't think this is a territorial situation. This is definitely a push back from nature on man, treating it like it's the domain, right? Not just where you're living, but also under their dominion. They're controlling, they're contriving, they're taking what they want. They're not giving anything back. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and um, I also think I wanted to highlight some of the scenes. So obviously this movie is like should be shown in film class for cinematography lessons because it was just beautifully shot. The swim scenes where they're swimming lateral with each other, but also there's some really good legitimately creepy scenes where he's off in the distance. Oh yeah. Um, even like, there's even one where everybody's in the foreground and in the back in the trees, you can see his silhouette. And I was like, that's very Halloween. Um, or when he's coming, when he's coming out of the water in the distance, like those are really effective and they didn't really have this, this way of thinking back then but i was kind of hoping that they would have done that a lot more in like the first three quarters of the film and then the last quarter actually show him more because that's how we've kind of learned after watching these films come out that draws right yeah like the longer you take to actually show the more tension you build and it makes it scarier um but they just didn't have that information back
0: then well, it's also hard because a lot of people mischaracterize the fifties um, and treat this as the first like true creature feature. And there have been other things, um, at least in the area. This is just happens to be like the best one. It is an exemplary example when it comes to the design work, the articulation that it has, and that's a great blend as well. You're talking about the swimming scenes. That's Jack Arnold, the director. He storyboarded everything himself, mm-hmm. and if you look at the storyboards and you look at the film, he got it. Like he, there's not. a a dp changing everything on the fly and then if you go to herman stein's music that's one thing i'll say that jarring cacophonous sound of that fucking flourish so annoying (laughs) the the serenity of the scenes where they're swimming so beautiful and it's so tranquil i mean you could compare it to fucking fantasia for christ's sake and the way that it's like the sweeping overtures uh so yeah, it is even if you want to just look at it purely from a film historian perspective those are immaculate yeah
1: yeah no it's it's almost a near perfect horror movie and it's definitely a staple in the foundation of horror in
0: i don't know I was going to say
1: horror in general but um
0: if you haven't familiarized yourself with it as an audience member and you've been like oh yeah it's beaten to death or oh yeah it won't live up to the hype that's the thing there's so many things about this film that work and still work today That you're you're only cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know, if you're saying, "Oh yeah, well, you know that there's been better creature sets." Okay, with the story's still good. Oh well, you know the story's derivative of this that. Okay, well the cinematography's still good. There's enough there, and also it's it's fucking breezy. It's what is it, ninety one minutes or something like that? I don't even think it's that long. Hold on, I'm googling, and it's eighty minutes. So you even better. Sixty minutes.
1: Yeah. Um, honestly, for me, the best way to watch these movies because it's how I've seen all of these. So I got this box set when Olivia was born. So she is—I don't know. She's five, 17? so I got it like five
0: years. No, Olivia's not seventeen.
1: <laughs> um, and when she was about, excuse me,
0: <clears throat> COVID call. middle-aged mutant um, podcast daddies. <laughs> she's seventeen. You're more middle-aged, so my song works better. Thank you okay perfect we're the same age if i have a teenage daughter you'd have to have a teenage daughter no i Um, wouldn't because i'm a late bloomer dude i lived uh, it up i partied so hard before i got my babies made oh my goodness um but honestly (laughs) the
1: best way to watch these movies like jake said if you're kind of like iffy about black and white movies or just old movies in general watch these movies in the middle of the night like by yourself because when olivia was born she would wake up of course, in. she just wake up and start crying. And it would took a lot to put her down. So what I would do is I would, because of course I love horror, but I'm not going to watch a horror movie in front of my baby. So I yeah. bought these because I'm like, they're old school movies. They're not going to be that scary. So that's how I first saw The Invisible Man, as I put on The Invisible Man. And every time Olivia would wake up at night, I'd get her, I'd rock her to sleep. And in the living room, I would put on the black and white movie. And she would just watch it because I don't know if it was the colors, because she didn't really watch like regular color movies but for some reason when it was black and white she was like into it so she would fall asleep in my arms and we would watch it high and, contrast
0: images it works for kids i mean that's yeah. a, a huge way of stimulating their uh, spatial visual understanding
1: yeah so i mean there's proof right there and you know she would watch it and of course she didn't know what was going on she was little but like that's when i saw the Invisible man i was like this was actually kind of creepy um and then i saw frankenstein that way and frankenstein actually um has a special place in my heart because I saw Frankenstein with my stepdad who passed away a couple of years ago. And we saw it pretty recently together. Um, Cause he was like, you've never seen it. And I was like, no, he's like, you're like the horror guy. We have to watch it. So I had a very good relationship with my stepdad. So unfortunately he passed. And so Frankenstein will always kind of be something that I remember him by. Um, but they, they're just, it really like, it sounds cheesy, but it's just magic, like movie magic. When they say movie magic, this is what they're referring to. And I haven't really seen anything that's made me feel the same since, except everything, everywhere, all at once. I don't know what it's called. I've been calling it that. Is that the correct title? Yeah. I watched that. That was good shit. Yeah. That's probably the closest thing to come out
0: in a long time. Um, In terms of like spectacle. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things too is so often things are done, you know, to death, where it's like, okay, well, it's just, we're doing a lot of multiverse stuff right now. And that's okay. mm -hmm. Cause if it's done well, it doesn't matter. You know, like I, I had already seen, Fucking Frankenstein! By the time I saw Creature from the Black Lagoon, I'd already seen Phantom of the Opera. A lot of these things where you're talking about the hideous creature longing, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't subvert that these movies are good and they're high art in that way, uh, you know. And also, like I fucking love—I don't know if you've ever gotten to watch them—but the Abbott and Costello, like <laughs> the you know the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein's, my third favorite movie ending of all time, with Vincent Price playing the Invisible Man in the boat. I mean there's the it, there's a funness to it too and an excitement and it just feels content. it feels cutting edge. Yeah. You know like sometimes you see these young whippersnappers and you're like, "Oh, this person's cooler than I ever was." They're, yeah. they're like I watched Turning Red or like Onward and I'm like, "This is this is the shit. Where was this when I was a kid?" Yeah. You know, cuz it's just so innovative to a certain extent. But then, you know, that's just the way that I feel that cinema is hopefully going to progress instead of it just being like, "Oh, here's Dwayne Johnson." He's playing a dog, uh, which i just thought, yeah Right, the <laughs> He's mind. always in the jungle. The crypto, the crime dog.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of cartoons, fun fact. Did you know that Scar from The Lion King, before his name was Scar, is, is it Taka? Something about Taka? Because they were like, this is why you don't be mean to people, because they'll try to kill you. So was it like? Mufasa means king and Taka means garbage. Oh, so Jesus. Like, yeah, of course they were going to try to kill his brother. Um, apparently, there's a novelization of The
0: Lion King and they talk about uh, Scar's name before he got the scar. So, um, actually, there there is a novelization of The Lion King. It's called Hamlet. Oh, here we go.
1: <laughs> Am I recording with AID right now? Oh,
0: <laughs> it's actually, uh, what is it? Kimba the White Lion. I don't know what that is. It was a Japanese movie that was the same fucking. I think that's why people very often love to make fun of The Lion King in that regard because Disney marketed it as the first original Disney shit. that wasn't Hans Christian Andersen, whatever. And it's yeah. like, no, it was Shakespeare and this fucking anime from 20 <laughs> years ago, you cuck. Um, well, I want to watch the anime. <laughs> d- d- speaking of Scar, did you know that his corpse is draped upon Hercules in Hercules? Yeah. Hell yeah. I,
1: I noticed that when I first saw it, when i first oh saw it, yeah I was like that's i, I to totally body. knew
0: it too because i was i was like a cool kid who like new stuff i was i know <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> when I eight usually- is here to pick on i have to pick on someone mikey
1: i know i usually don't catch those things at all like i'm very unaware of those like easter eggs and stuff but that was very specific like Scar, <laughs> so I, it's hard to miss. Um,
0: I imagine you watching Wayne's World and the part where Robert Patrick makes a cameo. You're like, "Oh, that's just a, an angry-looking cop."
1: <laughs> um, I wouldn't catch it because I have no idea what you're talking about or who that is. Um, the
0: T1000, you dirty, dry humping bitch. The T1000, don't don't do this right now.
1: I don't know what that is. I only
0: have so many friends. I can't lose any <laughs> <laughs> Is this an exterminator reference? Not X Terminator. terminator X terminator is a different oh. film franchise and it's bad, but also kind of adorable. I actually oh. saw that at the New Beverly Cinema. Thanks, Quentin Terry. The
1: only time I saw the Terminator was when we did the Patreon showing of it, which means I was not paying attention because we were talking the whole time.
0: The entire time. And then some afterwards and a lot before. Those yeah. go a little bit too long. But hey, audience, if you would like to become a Patreon patron that helps us get in the same room at the same time, you know, guilt is a great motivator. and mm-hmm. so. Uh, us feeling like we owe you something would be a great way to get us to actually collaborate and get time together. Um, and I would love to do it, especially with summer coming to an end. Uh, if you have any movies that you'd like to pitch for it, please let us know. Patreon.com slash slashers pod. Super easy. There's going to be more content coming. I pinky swear. I hope to be doing a lot more of these like one-off kind of things. And I'd love to do more universal monsters. So please let us know. Slashers at gmail.com. If you'd like to buy shirts, including, but not limited to, the Gilman Godfrey shirt, which I promise I'm going to be making, absolutely go to redbubble.com slash slasherspod, I think it is, or it's the reverse. Whatever. You fucking find it. Slasherspod at gmail.com, pod at Instagram, Facebook, ad infinitum in perpetuity, henceforth. Mikey, is there anything that I'm missing?
1: Um. No, you pretty much covered it, except for on B Movie TV. Go ahead and download that on your Roku so you can check out Doug, who does Friday Night Action and Saturday Night Terrors with Yahira and Jake sometimes on uh, syndication. And then Sunday, Grandpa Oats, which is Doug's project as well. So got to give some love to our little Dougie Fresh.
0: Hell yeah. And he's got a movie coming out soon. We're going to be I actually had the distinct pleasure of designing the fucking poster for it. And it yeah, was so one of those things really where, I, like, instantly had this idea in mind. I made a mock-up, texted it to Doug, and he was like, "Yes." He literally hasn't said no to me in any creative endeavor ever. Like, I bet, like, we, we, you know, because we were originally good, before it was Grandpa Oats, it was Gory Coleman's uh, cinema fist fucking jamboree. He was like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah!" And I was like, "We shouldn't do this." Like, it was my idea, and I'm the one saying we shouldn't do this. So that's the beautiful thing about Doug is he is so inspired to create and facilitate others creating. I don't think he can say no. Like, he's like the perfect improviser. He's like the yes and guy. Oh, I love Doug. I love him more.
1: Yeah, probably. Um, But I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I had a lot of fun doing this. I think it would be really cool if we did a Slasher's podcast after dark. where We talk about black and white movies
0: from the past. Ooh, black and white all night. Black and white is all right. Ooh, once you go black and white. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <We'll>, <laughs> I'm just kidding. go ahead finish it
0: me- message us with what you think the name of our sub show is where we only do black and white films
1: yeah dp daddies slashers after dark uh slashers cab confessionals
0: um the speakeasy hold on one second gremlins to black that's and- not black and oh my god well there's the the uh
1: the guy never mind it doesn't count if you put on a movie and then turn your tv setting to
0: black and white. I agree with that. I used to have a friend when we used to play uh, Jesus Christ, we would play Call of Duty. We were like sponsored. There's this kid, Larry. And Larry was crazy good. He was a Native American boy who was very, very poor. And at one point, he had to be playing on his grandmother's tube TV, which was black and white and super (laughs) hot. And so he had to like sit far away because it would radiate so much heat and stuff. And he was still better than the rest of us. You know, like our high depth with black (laughs) screens and everything. So I I ultimately respect that man, uh, even though I don't know his last name. I was trying to think of what Grandpa Fred's show is called from Gremlins 2, because remember, he wants to do the black and white. But it doesn't matter. Let us know. Uh, Goodbye and good die. Bye. Ooh. 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 Black and white all night.